Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. I'm going to mix up the opening here. I'm going to tell you that, yeah, 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 Greg is a practicing psychotherapist. And yeah, he's a holistic life coach. And yeah, he's learned a lot and all of that. But really, he is the bomb and has taught me so much about, I mean, I I sound silly, but he has taught so much about connection and breaking it down and understanding that it is not something that just happens in your head. It's something that happens in your heart. It's something that happens actually in your body. It is science. It is all of it. So, um, yeah, I mixed it up a little for you today. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, good. it's, it's a gosh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so if you have a question or a comment for Greg or heck, even for me, like, what does Mishigash mean? Then you can call 425-373-5527, or you can always feel free to go to KuiperCounseling.com. Greg has information about himself, his practice, and how to connect with him, and he is happy to connect with you because he knows that connection is at the root of healthy living. It is. And that phone number, by the way, is for the studio here. You, you're welcome to call in during the show. Right. That's what we're like talking live. About, so. We're live right now. You bet. So now, um, for all of you that listen, you diehard listeners out there, you know that we always start out with a recap of what we did last week because this is an ongoing dialogue it that is, you are yeah. constantly building upon and then going back and reminding us because you'll bring things up like last week you threw out the four P's and that just threw me off um (laughs) holy cow i was like i don't remember i need my notes um and so we always we always start with a review so let's see how i do i always feel like this is a quiz too Uh, yes (laughs) so we talked about how um we all deal with you know stimulus of some sort whether it be in our relationships in our work life you know whatever it is right Mm -hmm. and so that can be um like if somebody says something or does something or something that we we see someone else do or it could just really be being in a room with somebody who has a completely different energy than us, right? Yeah. So there is a stimulus. So with that stimulus, it may end up being kind of a trigger for us. And so what you explained is that the brain then assesses that mm-hmm. and decides how it helps us decide how we're going to handle that, right? Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is like I'm doing the layman's version. 101. Of, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally 101. I'm like <laughs> 100. Um, so we learned, which I thought this was fascinating, um, that we have like memories that, go- that get stored away um, that have attached emotional content. Now, the reason that that's important then is that when we're in a situation where we are confronted with some kind of a stimulus, something that we've witnessed or um, our significant other says something to us or, you know, whatever it is, it takes into account that emotional content. So I was explaining this, actually, um, what I learned last week to my husband, my poor, 
poor husband. <laughs> and I was explaining to him that it's like if you have a negative um, connotation with your phone, right? So you've got your phone, but let's say your phone is how that you, how you heard that your parents died in a terrible crash. Mm. And so then you have this negative connotation or this association then with your phone. Yeah, right. I guess. So yeah, it's kind sure. of like, you know, okay, so then when the phone rings, <laughs> I'm automatically queued up to freak out because I have attached a negative emotional connection with this stimulus. That's basically it. Yes. Right? Yeah, huh? yeah, all memories are stored away with uh, attached emotional content, right? And could be positive emotional content, could be negative, could be indifferent. But it's all stored away with whatever emotions you are experiencing at the moment that memory is made. And then it's just stored away. Right. To be brought back later. So if it was indifferent or if it was positive, you probably wouldn't have a job and we wouldn't be talking about this. So <laughs> probably. So we're, we're focusing kind of on the, the negative, like, oh, yeah. you know, stuff. And... So typically what happens is um, when we have this this response to the stimulus, um, it kicks in that trauma response, which is the fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And, yep. And um, so then this is where I learned so much about myself that there's two different things that we can do because, again, let's go back to what I said. You are assessing, in theory, this stimulus. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, you're either going to react with like a knee-jerk reaction, which is mm-hmm. what I do all the time mm-hmm. because of this emotionally charged content that is associated, right. or you could just act on it, mm-hmm. which as I understood it from you, it means that that assessment piece that we're supposed to be doing, it actually happened. Right. So many times the the, the stimulus if it's got an, a negative emotional uh, content attached w- with the stimulus, right? Or if, it, you're, if it's anger or, or uh, response to the trauma, uh, we don't assess it. It doesn't go to the prefrontal cortex to decide what to do with this. It goes right to the amygdala, which is a part of the brain that, that uh, processes the emotion. And, and that is going to be fight, flight, or freeze, right? It's a trauma response, any of those, fear, basically. And, uh, and so there's not, we don't get a chance to assess it and make some nice choices of what to do with it. It just goes right to the fear response. And that's what happens in trauma. And that's, uh, the, the brain triggers that response. And, you know, we react without logically and carefully thinking this stimulus through. So once these reactions happen, you know, that we, at one point in our life, these reactions protected us emotionally in our relationships, right? Um, that's how they developed as coping mechanisms. And now they are greatly disturbing the relationships we're trying to nurture today. And, and they're automatic, triggered by responses of the other person, the partner in this, that mimic the responses that we got in the original emotional trauma. So handily stored away with all the emotional content with it. So, you know, I think many of us 
have this picture of trauma in our mind that, that, that's like physical abuse, rape, coming home from war, a car accident, or witnessing a shocking or horrible event. All of those are traumatic. Uh, and, and they, you know, complex trauma. But much of the trauma we all have every day, you know, or that we've experienced in the past is not that obvious. Um, remember, it's the emotional charge that gets stored with the memory that is key to this. Mm-hmm. So fear is going to get stored away with that memory, and that's going to trigger a response of fight, flight, or freeze, typically. Right. Well, it's it's an, a really easy way to think about this, and it's, you know, we're talking about something beyond, like, as you say, the physical abuse. It's just easy to, to visualize that idea that if somebody raised their hand at you, uh-huh. then if you are somewhere and somebody raises their hand at you in a way that you recall your fill-in-the-blank person that did that to you, right? right. And maybe they're just, they're just going to say, like, hey, how are you? <laughs> and they've raised their hand, but something triggers that response, then you immediately are going to have, like, you're going to freeze, you're going to, like, bolt, you're going right. to, you know. Well, you called it a knee-jerk reaction, and that's yeah. basically what it is. Your, your, your survival response kicks in. Yeah. That's essentially what it's supposed to do, but, but there's no discernment around it. Right. You know, so, you know, and it, it, even if you're, like, in a relationship and someone tells you, you are not listening again. You never listen to me. You need to pay attention. And so you hear that, some version of that, over and over and over, for years and years and years. That's emotional trauma. And in order to deal with it when it's happening, when it was happening, we developed coping mechanisms to protect our emotional health in that moment, right? These mechanisms then became our reactions to this behavior as it was presented to us. A lot of times it's withdrawal, anger, criticism, defensiveness, or freezing up. The memories are stored away with this emotional charge. And whenever the traumatic behaviors or words are, are thrown at us, we react automatically, without thinking rationally, no reason, and this becomes the illusion that we've been talking about that we live in. And now here we are in a different time of our lives with new relationships looking to move past the emotional trauma from the past. And many times we find difficulty in these relationships right now. Something is not right. The connection is not working. There is withdrawal and anger and criticism and defensiveness and freezing up. Just like old times, right? Mm, So fun. We're still responding from our illusion. So our partner in this current relationship has a behavior or words they use that triggers our past trauma and this emotionally charged memory. And we react automatically, just like we always have, with withdrawal, anger, criticism, defensiveness, or freezing up, it's automatic response, right back into our illusion. 
most of the time it gets uh, really complicated because you know our, our our partner has their own illusion and and your automatic response can trigger their reaction or automatic response to their illusion and we find ourselves in the critical loop of the grand illusion that we've talked about oh, just yeah. triggering 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 and and confusion what did i do wrong what's going on you know i mean it's it's so complicated yeah go back and listen to uh previous episodes so that you can learn what the critical loop is and the grand illusion and it'll all make sense if you don't know what we're talking about right and so this brings us back around to where we are to where we were at the end of last week's discussion right yep how do we put an end to this how do we stop reacting to our partner's words or behaviors? How do we end our illusion? Good question. I know. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> How do we, Greg? <laughs> that is the million-dollar question. Well, you know, as with anything, we want to change, right? We want to make a change in life. There has to be an awareness of needing whatever it is, to be different, right? If we don't have that awareness, we're just going to keep on going. So let's just say for the purpose of this example that through all our discussions, we've come to accept that a change needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong in this relationship. We need to change something, honey. What are we going to do? We've reached that awareness. Now what? If we put some logical thought and reason to this, we probably come up with something like, well, we've got to stop reacting and triggering each other's illusions, like Greg said, for starters, right? So what do we do to change our reactions to become thoughtful actions instead of reactions? How do we do that? Because these reactions are automatic. All I can think of is a rubber band on my hand that every time I yeah, go to do it, there you go. I go blunk. You know, that's, that's actually a very... Useful tool for Look many people. Me. Yeah, okay. no, very much so. Because we don't even know when these things are happening. They're automatic. So, to begin with, I've got to realize when they happen. And here we are back at awareness, right? Becoming aware of these reactions as soon as we can after they happen. In the moment as they happen and eventually before they happen which would essentially mean that we're stopping them in their tracks and turning them into thoughtful actions. So here we are, right? Pretty much back to where we were when we started this podcast, I don't know, six, eight months ago. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And we've learned a lot. However, it comes back to that thing that even in the intro, it's that, you know, connection through awareness. That awareness piece is monumental it is monumental right and and we talked about way back when we mentioned it last week too but finding this awareness through what i call the using the four p's yes presence practice patience and positivity now you know if we're going to bring something into our awareness and keep it there we need to be in the moment with our thoughts and feelings as much as we can so that's what we're talking about with the presence piece, right? Being mm-hmm. in the moment. Now, question for you. Would being in the presence piece, would that also mean that so 
you know, we've decided that, yes, there is something that we collectively agree that we want to make a change to and, you know, that it is triggering something in each of us Mm -hmm. in the relationship. And so being present in the moment means either being aware of it ourselves where we're like, nope, not going to do that. Or maybe if permission is given, then the other person says, like, nope. So is that what you, like, that that, presence piece, being aware? Being aware of what your thoughts and feelings are in any moment, right? That's presence. Just being aware of what's going on in your head, in your heart, at any moment. So in our daily functioning is, so I didn't really answer your question, but yes, presence. And and individually having that presence, and then it really is very helpful in the relationship if the two people can have that presence together, which is kind of what you were talking about, being able to point out, oh, we're getting into this. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because that way you can work through this grand illusion together rather than pointing fingers. Now, I have an example of this. Sure. When Pete and I first got married, and I think I've shared this story before, but, you know, it's a good one. Um, Apparently, I swore like a sailor, and (laughs) I didn't even realize it, and I guess it bugged him. And so he would say, I would say, you know, bleepity bleep bleep bleep. I don't know what I would say. And he would say, oh, is that French for that guy took my parking spot? Or is that (laughs) French for you know, I missed my train or, you know, whatever. And I would think, man, what the heck with this is this French for? And what I realized is that he was holding up a mirror to what I was doing without any kind of judgment. That's good. And it made me realize that, oh, if I curse, then he says this. So it was an interesting way of handling it. It was. Besides the rubber band on the arm. You know, if you look back at that now, it was a great way of handling it. He could have said, why in the hell do you quit (laughs) swearing all the time? Right. Right. I mean, and then then you react and then he reacts. Exactly. And it really impacted me so that I realized that I wanted to then modify my behavior because it it didn't come with any kind of judgment. And he handled it very gently. And then it all went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay. So. Well, so we talk about our daily functioning. So we go through life every day, every second. It, it's most often performed on autopilot, right? We get a, we get a routine down in our behaviors and our thinking, and, and everything just has to fall in place. And when it does, we're, we're, we're automatically moving along during the day. And then something happens that disturbs the autopilot, and we react. You know, what if we could just check in with the autopilot operation, right, frequently, and just adjust and tweak and dial it in, you know, to how it's functioning so that we can avoid these disturbances before they happen. You know, we just check in, how's the autopilot? Ooh, it's off right here. Let's turn this out. Let's, let's, you know, let's Mm -hmm. adjust this autopilot. And, and hopefully the idea is to avoid the disturbances before they happen. And that's, that's what we mean by the presence, right? The first P. Presence is existing in the moment, monitoring our thoughts and feelings as they are happening. Can we do this all the time? No, no, no. 
It's not possible in our society, right? Just not. But we can check in periodically during each day, especially when we notice a stimulus that is happening that is out of the ordinary. I'm just talking about pausing, excuse me, for 30 seconds to a minute and just looking at it, right? Something's out of the ordinary here. Let me look at this. Name it. Make some choices that are beneficial. This is different. What is this? What do I want to do with this? And, and, and then we can, we know it's there. We can tweak the autopilot for this adjustment that needs to be made. And we don't end up reacting because those reactions are just around the corner, right? If we don't take the little bit of time to do this adjustment in lieu of this new input that's messing up the routine of the day. Presence. Checking in and monitoring your thoughts and feelings during the day. And, you know, as I work with people on this, it's, it's, it, it's not easy at the beginning to remember to do this or to try to do this, right? It's just, it's, it, 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 it takes the second P, practice, which we'll get into in a second, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But, but if we can find ways to remind us, I mean, I've got one guy that, that told me, you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm setting little notifications on my phone. Every two hours, I get a notification, and I know to just pause for a minute and check in and see what's going on. And, and it works. Sometimes I can't do it all the time. But, you know, and so everyone has their own method of helping them remember how to check in during the day until this becomes automatic, right? I'm thinking of, um, I'm not good at driving a stick shift, but I can. And it's, you know, when you're changing gears and you're driving and I know nothing about cars. So any of you that know things about cars, you are going to cringe for the next 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> when you're switching gears because you, you've you reached that RPM or whatever that you need to switch into sure. a higher or lower gear, right? Uh-huh. And so your car is like, mm-hmm. and so you need to like switch gears, right? So you're talking about that autopilot thing where things are humming along nicely. Right. But then when you need to sort of like like speed up and adjust to what's going on or maybe slow down to uh-huh. adjust to what's going on, then you need to switch gears so that you can then hum at that level. Right. Huh? And over time, after practicing this a bunch, second P here, this becomes part of the autopilot. You don't have to think about, oh, time to shift gears, the RPM's too high. You just do it. And it becomes part of your autopilot. So, so that's how we remember to do this check-in. <clears throat> excuse me during the day, and that you know we come to this the second P practice, doing it over and over and over until it becomes part of the autopilot, part of that routine. Repetition is one of the key ways we learn how to do anything. How did you learn to drive a car, right? How did you improve your golf swing, or did you? How do you remember to brush your teeth every night, right? Doing it over and over and over and locking it in. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Repetition is a very prominent contributor to our brain growth and developing and strengthening neural pathways in the process, right? It actually helps. Repetition actually puts a coating around the conduits between neurons that 
And, and that coding greatly speeds up the transmission of information, so you're becoming much more efficient with that practice. And this repetition, this practice does the same thing for helping us to know what is going on with our thoughts and feelings so that we can intercept the reactions. And as with anything we're trying to change and get better at, we've got to have patience. We hope we hope we can continually remind ourselves that this is going to take time, right? This is not going to be easy. This is going to take time. So part of the patience in learning is acknowledging and affirming any progress. However slow we may think it is, cutting ourselves some slack here. If we're beating ourselves up for a perceived lack of progress, we need to alter our perception, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our perception becomes... Whatever it takes, this is totally going to be worth it, rather than, I'm never going to get this. Changing the narrative. And that leads right into this past P, the positivity, right? Anytime we want to change, it's crucial to keep the narrative positive. It can be as simple as telling yourself, this is going to be so cool, rather than, this really sucks. (laughs) A A key way to do this reframe is to address the change from a stance of curiosity and adventure. We've talked about this a bunch. Mm -hmm. This is a fascinating journey you are embarking on, not a dreadful chore. I am so excited to see what I learn about myself. I am so ready to move forward with my life. You absolutely have a choice as to how to approach this change you seek, how to perceive it. So which choice do you make? With awareness comes these choices, right? That's what awareness does, shows us choices. I I know some of us keep awareness out of reach because of the choices we'll be faced with, out of sight, out of mind. But without finding the awareness and looking at these choices, we we make a choice, continuing to live exactly the way we're in. With awareness comes the prospect of looking at the choices we are making right now, every day, that are keeping things exactly the way they are. So what choices are you making every day that keep any chance of awareness and change way out there, somewhere unreachable? Well, it reminds me of that, uh, something that somebody shared with me once where she said, you know, with planning comes freedom. There you go. Yeah. Right. And so with planning to work on the awareness piece, with planning to be present and check in with yourself and making it part of your practice and practicing it and being patient with the process. There's a lot of peace here. Um, <laughs> and being positive as you go. Right. You know, there is some planning there, and with that is going to then come freedom from these narratives that are blocking us. Right. Wow. So we're not going to check in with Char and Steve today. Uh, This conversation was too important, and I didn't want to break it up. But just know that I introduced the four Ps to Char and Steve, just as I did today in this show. And their homework is to look, do some checking in and find out how they can... uh, Check in with their thoughts and feelings during the day. So that means that our homework is to do the same. That's right. So everyone, this was a good little like 
side detour trip into this topic. Uh, if you, again, want to connect with Greg, remember that you can do so at KuiperCounseling.com. Be part of the conversation. Ask questions, whatever you need to do. Until then, Greg. Everyone stay aware of it. Thanks, See everyone. See you next week. <laughs>